Thank you very much. Would you turn with me in your Bible this evening to 1 Corinthians chapter 12? First Corinthians chapter 12, I want to read verses 1 through 7. First Corinthians 12, 1 through 7. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles, carried away to these dumb idols, however you were led. Therefore I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus accursed, And no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, that the local assembly is very near and dear to your heart. It is your plan and your purpose in this age to be a witness and a testimony of a living Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the head of the body. Thank you, Lord, that you have made every provision that we need, that we might not come behind and lack in any way, but that we might be equipped and enabled for all that you have called us to do. Father, I pray that we would be careful to bring our hearts into that place of submission, obedience, and understanding that we might be fruitful in every good work, increasing in the knowledge of God. I pray with thanksgiving in Jesus' name, amen. And so we want to come back to our study on spiritual gifts. We've already studied this. This is a part of our bigger overarching study on the local assembly. And I know this is coming in bits and pieces. So many things interrupt, but that's okay. Uh, we wanna, I'm keeping track, so you just stick with me as we go through and do some studies on the local assembly and particularly now spiritual gifts. Uh, we're in Romans 12, but I asked you to turn to 1 Corinthians 12 first by way of review, reminder, before we dive back in. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth And uh, they had many, many issues and problems there, strifes, division, immorality, on and on it went, even questioning, listening to those anyways who questioned the apostleship of the Apostle Paul, on and on it went, the problems that were there. And yet, this was a local assembly of believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. They weren't perfect, but they were God's people, his local assembly. And we see here that the Spirit of God was working through them. He was working through them mightily in a powerful way. And, uh, and, and so we want to learn a few things. What I want to point out to you before we go back to Romans chapter 12 is verse 7. The manifestation of the Spirit, that is the Holy Spirit. The manifestation of the Holy Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. What is being said in this verse is that there is a spiritual gift, at least one, that is given to every true, genuine believer in Jesus Christ. The gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit. Look at verse 1. Paul opens up this chapter. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, 
I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, the word gifts is in italics. Is that in italics in your English Bible? Because the word gift is not really there. The word here is pneumatikos, pneumatikos. And what that word means, it's a very general word that speaks of spiritual or spiritual things or things that pertain to the spirit. It's a very general word. The word gift actually is in verse 4. Notice in verse 4, there are diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. Now, that's the word pneuma, speaking of the Holy Spirit. In verse 1, the Apostle Paul starts with a very general statement. And what he's saying in verse 1 is that the spiritual things, the things that are pertaining to the Holy Spirit of God, brethren, I don't want you to be ignorant on this question. They had a lot of enabling and manifesting of the Spirit of God, uh, but they apparently were ignorant in their understanding. They certainly were ignorant in how they were showing forth their service of the Lord, demonstrating these spiritual gifts. Paul opens up with a very general word concerning everything, verse 1, that has to do with the presence and the power and the ministry of the Spirit of God, the pneumatikos, the things that have to do with spiritual. Now, specifically, Paul is going to talk. I don't think it's wrong to have the word gifts and italics in verse 1. I think it's appropriate from the context because that's directly what Paul's going to address here in both chapter 12 right into chapter 13. And we see that in verse 4. There are diversity of gifts. The word here, gifts, is the word charizomai. And uh, that's a word for a divine enabling. It's a gift of divine grace, the charisma. And uh, it's very close to uh, the idea of the Holy Spirit because it is, we see in verse 7, a manifestation of the Spirit. The manifestation means a bringing to light. So what Paul is saying here is when the believers were demonstrating their spiritual gifts in the local assembly, it was a manifestation of the Holy Spirit who gave them that gift, and that spiritual gift was a divine enabling. In other words, it was a demonstration of the Holy Spirit in their life. It wasn't their ability. It was God's ability worked out in their life. It was a spiritual gift. And when they used their spiritual gifts, more appropriately, when God used them by manifesting his spiritual gift in their life, it brought to light the presence, it brought to light the power of the ministry of God. Now what I'd like to impress upon us tonight before we turn to Romans 7 is there ought to be a concern for spiritual gifts in the local assembly. Why? It's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. The spiritual gifts are the bringing to light of the presence and the working of the Holy Spirit in the midst of the local assembly. I think it's wrong, I've already shared this, this is review, but I think it's wrong for local assemblies where we have little sense of the spiritual gifts to be comfortable with that. I really think that's wrong. Now, I am not making a case, as you well know, for the charismatic era that even the Corinthian church was guilty of. Paul's going to correct that. And to be sure, chapter 13 is going to place the love that God showed to us that we are called to show to one another on a higher plane, more important than the spiritual gifts, is the love of Christ. But there ought to be a concern 
if there's no understanding and there's no manifesting of spiritual gifts. We shouldn't be comfortable with that. Why? Because the spiritual gifts are the manifestation of the Spirit of God. It, it demonstrates that God is alive and working in his assembly. And we ought to be concerned about that. Now, that comes back to a very personal level, doesn't it? It comes back to the level of, am I truly in that place where God would have me to be? In other words, am I being a hindrance to the Spirit of God in my life? If I am, how is the Spirit of God demonstrating his enabling in the local assembly through me? If I'm so concerned with self or I'm allowing sin to be in my life, something that's displeasing to the Lord? No, I want to be a clean vessel in God's hand. And I want to be available to God. Next, I want to know, am I engaged in service, in ministry? Am I available to be serving the Lord so that he can demonstrate his spiritual gift in my life? Now, when we say in the local assembly, sometimes we might be tempted to think this is just happening when we have a meeting time. Well, that's not always the case. We are the local assembly wherever we are, whenever we are. Is that okay to say that? Wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, God is in our midst. And so throughout the week, as we're interacting with one another, uh, whether we're in a gathering of a worship service like this, or if we're going out and ministering to one another, we are the local assembly wherever we go, whenever we go. We are the local assembly. That means tonight when I get home, in my home with my family. That means when I get up and go to work. Now, I'm not gathering together with believers when I go to work, generally speaking, some of you might work with some other believers, but probably not with the other believers in our local assembly, but you are still a member of the body of Christ, and you are still a part of the body of Christ. And we ought to have that sense. The spiritual gifts are the divine enabling where God is working in and through us for the profit, verse 7, of all. The Spirit of God is willing. The question is, are we available? That's important. Well, we want to start with making sure we know the spiritual gifts. Let's go back to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, I believe that this is the list that is most suited to where we are today because there's only one gift on this list that is a temporary gift, and that's the first one. We've already looked at it, prophecy. But then verses, uh, gifts number 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, and 7, ministry, teaching, exhortation, giving, leading, showing mercy, these are gifts that should all be present and be manifested to whatever level, degree, God the Holy Spirit chooses. It's his demonstration. It's his enabling. They should be present in the local assembly. And uh, so we've already seen prophecy. We've already seen ministry in Romans chapter 12 uh, in verses 6 and 7 and into verse 8. So we want to pick it up in the middle of verse 7 with he who teaches in teaching the spiritual gift of teaching. These are the gifts. Verse 6, having then gifts differing according to the grace of God. The word gift here in verse 6 is the same word we have back in 1 Corinthians 12, the charisma. It's a gift of divine grace. It's the divine enabling of the Holy Spirit of God. It's of his choosing, working it out. The gift of teaching is the gift of imparting instruction or truth, teaching, helping people to understand the word of God. And so that means the one who has the spiritual gift is gifted and enabled by the spirit of God to explain the word of God. Gifted, enabled by the Holy Spirit of God to explain the word of God so that others can understand and grow. And I submit to you, this is a very 
important spiritual gift, teaching, teaching. Why? Because it's through teaching, turn with me to Colossians chapter 1, it's through teaching that we grow. We are being fed, if the teaching is done properly and correctly, as we'll see, we are fed and we are growing, and God has a goal, and God has a purpose. We see that here in uh, Colossians 1, 28 and 29. Paul writes, speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man. That's our word. Warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. Paul goes on to say, to this end I also labor, striving according to what? His working. His working, which works in me mightily. Does that sound like a divine enabling? I believe Paul, among other gifts, had the gift to teach. And uh, many of God's leaders had that gift to teach. And so we teach every man that we may present every man. In our English translation, the word perfect has the idea of mature, literally complete. We need the divine instruction of God's holy word that we might grow in the truth in God's word that we might be complete. That's why Paul said to the Ephesian elders in Acts chapter 20, I did not shun to declare to you the whole counsel of God. We want all of it, every bit of God's word. And so what does God give? He gives teachers. He gives teachers so that we might be instructed in the truth of God. Why are we receiving this instruction? Well, because it's good. We need it. Well, because we like it. It makes us feel good when we hear teaching of the word of God. Why? No. We are receiving this instruction so that we might grow and be complete in Jesus Christ. God wants us to know and understand, have an understanding of his truth so that we can live in the light of that truth, growing and maturing by means of that truth. Now, this means that the hearer has just as important a job as the teacher. You've got to make application of the truth to your life. It's no good if you're just receiving all this instruction and you don't make application. We need to put God's truth into practice in our life. But we see this is Paul's point here. I'm preaching Jesus Christ by means of warning every man and teaching every man because he had a goal, and that was to present every man to the Lord Jesus Christ mature, complete in Jesus Christ. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. A number of months ago, we looked at these four gifted individuals that the Lord Jesus Christ has given as gifts to the church. And he said in verse 11, he himself, Jesus, it's intensive, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. Some pastors and teachers. Why? For the equipping of the saints so that the saints can do the work of the ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ. You have the idea of spiritual growth again. Notice the application is there. The saints who are being taught, they're equipped to do what? Application, the work of the ministry. We're going to work. And uh, as we engage in serving the Lord, the truth that God gives to us through teaching of the word of God will come to be a reality by way of application in our lives. Having the truth of God to guide me, having the truth of God to help guide others that we might walk in the way of truth. Uh, go to um, 
Let's go to Colossians chapter 3. In Colossians 3, in verse 16, our word comes up again. Familiar context and verse of scripture. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. You ready? Teaching, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Now here, music comes into the picture. And uh, we've emphasized here in our ministry how important it is that our music be biblical. Filled with the truth of the word of God. Not shallow, but deep, rich truth from the word of God as a part of our singing. So our singing, not only worship, it certainly ought to be that, but it's also used by way of instruction and admonition to the saints. But what I want you to see here in this passage is two things. Number one, we have a responsibility, each of us, to be engaged in teaching. Did you see that? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing. What's the next two words? One another. We have a responsibility. Why am I learning this truth so that you're ready to teach and admonish others? Don't you remember that this is exactly what was taught in class? This is exactly what was taught from the pulpit just a month ago. Do you remember what was taught a month ago? I, I really appreciate one man who once said, I grew up in a Christian church and I don't remember any me every message, not any, he said, I don't remember every message that was preached. He said, but I know this. He said, I feasted on the teaching when it was given and I allowed it to change my life. He said, for me, I don't remember every meal my mother cooked me ever since I was seven years old. I don't remember every meal, but I know this, I ate and enjoyed those meals and I benefited from it, I grew. And that's the idea here. We are to be engaged in teaching, receiving that instruction, and as we apply it into our lives, we're to be growing. But notice how there's a responsibility we have to one another. We are to be teaching one another. And so God gives the gift of spiritual, the spiritual gift of teaching. Not, not everyone has the gift, but God does give to some the gift of divine enabling to teach his holy word. And we ought to look for those who have that gift to be our teachers. The second thing I want you to see in this verse is the source, the material. Now, you might know this well, but we want to see that we can go to the passage. What is it should that we should be teaching? Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's the source of our teaching, not the latest book study. <laughs> the the author that's my favorite's written a new book, and that's what we're going to go through. Now, I want to be careful because I know there's lots of good books that are written because they are about and getting us into the Word of God. Praise the Lord for books like that. But there's lots of books that are being written that don't necessarily get us into the book that we ought to be in. What we need is the Word of Christ. It's my heart and prayer when somebody says, well, we're going to do a book study. And somebody says, what book are we going to do? We hear something like, I don't know, Malachi. Hosea, our book study is going to be Romans, our book study is going to be Luke. These are the books we want to study. We want the word of Christ to dwell in us richly. That's the source. And let me tell you, that's what the Holy Spirit's going to use as we interact with one another because we're rich with the truth of the word of Christ. The Lord's going to take that and as we apply it into our lives, we're going to grow. 
And that's what God wants to do. He wants an assembly that is complete. Complete and mature. And you remember Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That's our goal. That's what we are aiming for. And so we want the word of Christ as our source material. Now, 2 Timothy, if you turn to 2 Timothy chapter 2, when you understand these first few points, the purpose of the ministry of instruction is for spiritual growth so that we might be spiritually mature, complete. When you understand that God gives spiritually gifted men, he gives different people in the assembly the gift to teach because there's a tremendous emphasis on the teaching ministry of the word of God. We're to be teaching one another. Our source is the word of God so that we'll be rich with the word of God. Uh, I want you to see that God gives to leaders a very special prescription. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul writes, Timothy, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus and the things that you have heard from me among many witnesses, commit these to faithful men who will be able to what? Teach. Able to teach others. Spiritual leadership has a special responsibility to be passing the baton. We ought to be looking for the Spirit of God to be singling out faithful men. It's interesting here. Uh, it doesn't say handsome men. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say successful men, though there certainly is a hint of spiritual success to faithfulness, isn't there? We think and look for so many different things, but what is God looking for? What God is looking for from stewards is faithfulness. You can be counted on. Here I am. I'm ready. I'm ready to serve the Lord. Faithful men. Leadership has a responsibility to find those men and then to teach them the things that was taught to them. We are to hand it down from one generation to the next that there might be a continued thriving of the faith. The truth, once for all delivered to the saints, handed off. This means my job's not done when I simply give forth the truth. There needs to be an examining that that truth can be given back. Faithful men who will be able to teach others. Now that ability to teach may come by spiritual gift. Some of these faithful men, God, the Spirit, may give them the gift to teach. Praise the Lord. That's a wonderful thing. But turn with me, please, to 1 Timothy chapter 3, just back a couple of pages. In 1 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 2, when the Apostle Paul is instructing Timothy on leadership in the local assembly, in verse 1 he says, This is a faithful saying, if a man desires the position of a bishop, an overseer, someone who is taking the spiritual oversight of the local assembly, that's the meaning of that word bishop, uh, overseer. If a man desires the position of an overseer, he desires a good work. Uh, overseer, an overseer then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, temperate, sober-minded, of good behavior, hospitable, to see the next phrase, able to teach, able to teach. Now, this word, able to teach, is just a little bit different. It's not just didaskalos. It is didaktikos. <laughs> so he says, what was the difference between the two? The difference between the two is very subtle, but here it means skilled, skilled in teaching. And so there's an idea here that not only those who have the spiritual gift to teach, Romans chapter 12 and verse 7, we want those, 
but there's also an ability. It's translated correctly here. That's, there's a skill in teaching. Now that means you teach people how to teach and you give them the opportunities to teach and then you mentor them in teaching so that they become good teachers, so that they become good teachers. Now all of this is under the oversight and the ministry of the Holy Spirit of God. One of the very important spiritual gifts to the local assembly is teaching because the truth of God, the instruction that we have in God's word, the words of Christ, is vital to the health of the local assembly. May God give us local assemblies that major in, put an emphasis on the teaching of God's holy word. May God motivate us to be in prayer for teachers. We're looking for faithful men. God, give us faithful men. God, give us spiritually gifted men to be filled with the word of Christ and to teach his holy word. And God, here I am. I'm ready to be used by you. I want the word of Christ to dwell in me richly so that I can be engaged in teaching one another. And I want to be involved in God's truth being abundant in the local assembly. May God move our hearts to be in that place of understanding and be engaged in that way with his holy word. As I close tonight, I just want to take a little practical example of this. How important is our Sunday school ministry? I just want to take a real practical, important application. How important is our local assembly? You know, I praise the Lord. I got saved when I was seven years old. Thank you, Lord, for my mom who led me to Christ. And I started attending Sunday school at the age of seven years old. And I got to tell you, I loved it. I loved it. And I had teachers who taught me the word of God. And I drank it up. Drank it up. It's like every opportunity to hear. And they used all kinds of things. Flannel graphs and object lessons and all kinds of wonderful tools that good teachers use. Isn't it a blessing? I want to ask you to pray for our Sunday school teachers. Do you know our Sunday school teachers by name? Our helpers in our Sunday school classes? Would you make it a special ministry to pray for them? It's a blessed opportunity and ministry they have. Would you look to be an encouragement to them? Maybe if you're a parent or maybe if you're just interested, you'll find out what they're teaching so that when the kids that are in that class come by, you can encourage them in the instruction in which they are being taught. Imagine that. Wonderful application of this truth. Is the word of Christ important to us? Is the teaching ministry important to us? I know it is. May God help us to be supportive and praying for the teachers he's given to us. Let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you for this blessed spiritual gift. We thank you for the spiritual gifts that manifest that your Holy Spirit is here in our midst and vibrant among us. I pray, Lord, that we would be available to you and that you would work in our ministry and in this local assembly for your own glory, that the name and the testimony of Jesus Christ might be evident to all. I pray that we will grow and be maturing so that we will be complete in Jesus Christ with the teaching that is given to us from your holy word. And Lord, bless and encourage our teachers. It's easy for any of us, no matter what we're doing in the local assembly, whether we're manning the nursery or whether we're cleaning the building, whether we're teaching the truth of the word of God, or whether we're leading, administrating, whether we're just showing mercy and helping, it's easy for us to be discouraged. And we know Satan wants us to be discouraged. I pray, Lord, that as a manifestation of your spirit, 
the presence and the power of the Spirit of God in our midst, that we will be encouraged and that we will be encouraging one another as we seek to serve you. O oh Lord, we give our thanks to you in Jesus' name. Amen.